Welcome to the Inside Sales Enablement Podcast. Where has the profession been? Where is it now? And where is it heading? What does it mean to you, your company, other functions, the market? Find out here. Join the founding father of the sales enablement profession, Scott Santucci, and trailblazer Brian Lambert as they take you behind the scenes of the birth of an industry. The Inside Sales Enablement Podcast starts now. Hi, this is Brian Lambert. And this is Scott Santucci. And we're the Sales Enablement Insiders. Our podcast is dedicated to helping leaders ask the big questions they should consider in order to be successful with sales enablement. In this podcast, we rethink, reframe, revisit the sales enablement function and past ideas and best practices around the role to clarify so that you can take action, lead others, and ensure success for your company. Today, we have another special edition. On previous episode, our previous episode was well-received. That was the episode where we did a trip report where Brian was at the Sales Enablement Soiree in Boston. Before I, before I ask Brian to frame out uh, our, our trip report and how we're gonna do this, I do wanna mention one exciting, uh, exciting input. And I'm gonna ask our, our listeners to share. So first and foremost, if you haven't reached out to Brian and I, send us a, send us a note and connect to us on LinkedIn. And I had a great, uh, I had a great correspondence with someone from, uh, from our, our show. And she reached out and said, hey, I love your show. I love how raw it is. And I, I, I said, well, what's going on in your organization? We got to chit-chatting and we're exploring an idea of doing a, a show to put Brian and I on the hook to see whether or not she can give, we can give live feedback on this show without ever really uh, meeting her uh, to help navigate some of the challenges that she's got in her SaaS company. So I'm looking forward to that. What do you think of that, Brian? I think it's great. And uh, we might want to change the names to protect the innocent. Sounds that's fun. Right. That's right. <laughs> no, I, that's why I didn't say her name or anything like that. Uh, but in, in this episode, normally I'm the one who frames out, uh, frames out the podcast. But this one, since I'm the one doing the trip report and I'm holding back uh, on Brian about what, uh, what to share. Brian, why don't you frame us out? Yeah, sure. So uh, everybody, I, I left uh, Scott a message and uh, he had shared that he was going to Atlanta to have a, a big meeting around a sales enablement strategy with, with some executives. So I called him and said, hey, you know, I'd like to hear about it. He didn't call me back. So then I, I finally got him on the phone later that evening and I said, I'd love to hear about it. And he said, well, why don't we do it on the show? So I'm just as in the dark as uh, you all are, and we're going to uh, uh, kind of take a, a look at what you did, Scott, and I'm really intrigued by it. And so let me first ask you and make sure I understand what it was, and then I'd love to dive into what happened and what the outcomes were. How does that sound? That makes, that makes perfect sense. It's always a good, uh, good level set to start off with what you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, you had said um, in preparation for this meeting that uh, – it was with the, the conference board and you were uh, in your role uh, leading a, a council of sorts and you had had success throughout a series of meetings with the conference board members. And this one was an interesting one because, and you were pretty excited about it and got me excited about it because it was doing a deep dive on, on a specific challenge that one of the members has faced, including 
working together through a, a day and a half session, uh, culminating in some sort of, I believe, um, executive readout to his executives that would be coming in cold to, to get the readout. Um, is that right? Do I have that right? You do have it right. And I think, um, I, I think what's helpful, at least this, this would be helpful for me, is ask a few, you know, get a few questions answered and level set. So question number one, what is the conference board? Question number two is, was the meeting with the conference board or was the meeting with the council? And question number three is, what the heck is the council anyway? What the heck are they doing? So let me, um, let me go through those three questions. Question number one, what is the conference board? So I'm sharing this with you. I needed to know this information myself. Uh, I was recruited by the, uh, by the conference board. So the conference board had to start up a sales enablement council. So what does that mean? What's a council, all that stuff? I didn't really know, and this is how I've processed that information. The conference board started 106 years ago, 106. Uh, and how it, how it got, got its start was back in the industrial revolution, if you kind of remember your history, their labor and management didn't really get along. And if you're familiar with your European history, it led to lots of revolutions and the industrialists here didn't think that was good for business. So what they decided to do was get some labor and some leaders from AT&T and GE and you know, some other you know, big companies like that. And they worked out labor challenges. And in this, in this meeting, in this council that they formed, they created the eight hour workday. No kidding, the eight hour workday really? is mentioned it started out with the conference board. It's an American invention. You're welcome, France. And the eight-hour workday was the birth product, uh, the very first result of the conference board. So since then, it's gotten companies together, uh, multinational companies together. It's all, it focuses exclusively on big companies to solve complex problems. And the, they form these councils, and these councils are run uh, in a very open way. Uh, we follow certain rules that, that we have, but each program uh, director runs this. We are not paid well. <laughs> it's, it's, very, um, it's, very, it's, it's a very part-time uh, part job, but that's, that's basically what it is. So you, the conference board recruits the councils. The conference, the, the member, the, the program director, in this case myself, sets uh, criteria for what it is that we're looking for, like what kind of type or diversity or you know, things like that. They gather, the, they gather the members together and they start having meetings. And the members are responsible for it. So in a lot of ways, it's like a homeowner's association. Uh, the, the builder starts it, but then turns it over to the members. And uh, really my job is to, to facilitate or, or set the structure for it. So that's so far what the sales innate, what is the conference board and what is a council? Is that clear so far? Yeah, the only thing I would want you to clarify is, you know, you're talking 106 years old, um, you know, industrial revolution stuff, and it feels a little stodgy to me, but then yeah. we're talking sales enablement, right? So um, tell, tell me a little bit about why, why they went into it. And, and then, as you said, in one of your questions to frame it out, who are some of these people that you're meeting with? Yeah, so that's a good question. So the, the stodgy part is actually really interesting. So as, as you probably can imagine, 
I forgot another element of the conference board. The conference board also produces a lot of the consumer index data. So if you go, if you were to listen on Wall Street and when earnings calls come out and they talk about consumer confidence and things like that, the conference board does all of that data also. So they have a huge amount of economists, et cetera. And it's a, it's a nonprofit organization too. <laughs> so it's a very unique, um, interesting thing. So back to the hundred years, uh, um, episode. What the reason that I like that story is a hundred years ago, we were going from a, a, we were transforming from an agricultural based way of thinking about how to run business to an industrial revolution. And we had a lot of, we had a lot to work out about management science and, you know, uh, span of control responsibilities and all those other things. And what's interesting is here we are at the cusp of the digital economy and we're running into the same kinds of things. So there are, you know, 80 other councils that focus on things ranging from librarian tactics, literally, <laughs> to uh, CFO councils. In, in the conference board, literally. In the conference board, right. Okay. So they have all of these different little, little councils. Gotcha. And what happened was they started getting demand for, hey, What's this sales enablement stuff? We, do, we as big companies hear about it a lot. We're really unclear what that looks like. Let's set up a council for it. So what we did is, uh, you know, I, 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 I was recruited for it. Uh, you know, that I'm pretty well known, I, I guess, uh, in, in the space. And I said, I'd love to do that. That's right up my alley. And we recruited uh, people for it. So basically, I used a maturity model that, ass that assumed three different phases, like phase one is, are you in a reactive state? Phase two, are you in a managed state? And phase three, are you in an adaptive state? And I had other criteria for it. We can talk about maturity models later. We recruited people in stage two that wanted to get to stage three. So Okay, so you targeted that specific Lee. And so one, that implies that there are people in a managed state, which I'm glad to hear, <laughs> or else you wouldn't have a council and you wouldn't have a meeting. So that's a win uh, yep. for the profession. But before we go too much further, Scott, um, you know, some of our loyal listeners and that have known us a long time might say something like, um, hey, you guys, you know, at Forrester, you had a council too. So are you, guys, are you just retreading the old council and, you know, redoing everything over again and, and you know uh, are you guys going to advance this or what what would you say to that well i would say that um the economics just everything about this is different so forrester i think the fee to participate in the council was you know between 50 and seventy-five thousand dollars a year and with that um you know, myself, you, our team, we, we, we produced research also and had these, uh, had these council meetings and had, you know, had outputs. At the conference board, there are very lightweight deliverables. Uh, the fee is much, much, much less um, between $10,000 and $15,000, depending upon um, you know, how many services the, the, the company has. And if people mention your name, do they get a discount? They have to get invited first. That's the oh, it's invitation only. It is invitation only. That's correct. Yeah, gotcha. So you have to, you, you have to invite and you get, got to go to the, you can go to the website and apply. And, um, 
you know, the application process happens and I'm not part of that. Um, I just get on the phone after they go through the, the vetting, I set up the criteria and, and then, um, you know, the members vote. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's literally member run. You turn it. I like the homeowners association analogy. That's definitely makes sense now. And, and that's not how Forrester was run and nope. so two different things. And almost, I would even say, uh, I'm going to infer this. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, there's two different problems to solve here with Forrester it was research uh, definitional here. It sounds like this is uh, for the members, by the members and uh, you know, working on issues together for the good of, in this case, the profession. Well, that's the interesting thing. Here's, uh, here's where the members are right now. Because of the progress that we, so we've had three meetings. Uh, you have meetings basically once a quarter, not once a quarter, three times a year is basically how, how it's set up. And the meetings are two days long and they're facilitated. Uh, every council's different. In our meeting, if you know me, there are no presentations. <laughs> it's you, you, you uh, maybe present a few slides and then we, you know, get in and I divide people up into teams and then they read out to each other. And, you know, some people take the position, this is the best idea ever. And some people take the position, it's the worst idea ever. And uh, we really embrace the idea of learning through conflict. So, uh, you know, we've got some rules that, that we follow for, you know, for culture and things like that. But what's fascinating is there is a, a divide within our, with our community, within this community. And I would love to write up some reports, right? Because uh, I would get some exposure there myself. But there is a contingent of our members who don't want anything published because the things that they're learning, they believe create competitive advantage for them. I'm not kidding. It's amazing. Other people are saying, look, what are we going to do to um, sell the value of our role if we're not uh, communicating these? So, so part of the, the, the debate amongst the members is what to publish. Yeah, I, I can get away with a, 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 yeah, I guess the, for our listeners, what I would do is anytime you see me post about a, a conference board thing, ask questions because that's sort of a, an opportunity to poke at some things. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. I mean, I can see both sides and, and actually being in uh, positions where uh, enablement is not a competitive advantage. I've been there, seen that, done that, worked that, helped help people do it, you know. And then also on the strategic or, or more uh, competitive advantage side, been involved in that too. Yeah, I mean, it, it can have an impact. So I can see both both sides. And it, again, it comes down to what's the goal? Uh, right. You know, what, what are they trying to do? And uh, um, no, I'll give you I, I'll give you something that I can I can give away as long as I don't talk about the company. So there's one company in particular that their enablement function owns the technology roadmap. They own it completely. They've built uh, an alliance with the IT organization. They process, model, map out everything. And um, what they're finding is each time they roll out an iteration, it's a release. They don't think in terms of big chunks, it's, it's a release. They gain market share. So what they now have is a very targeted roadmap uh, going after very different pockets. 
and they encode, they codify the processes that they learn, um, the adoption programs that they learn, and they keep simplifying yeah. things. And each time they do an iteration, iteration, they gain market share. And this is internal technology, not not for sale. It no, it is. They they are it. it it's I tough. To to cl- I just wanted to clarify that. So what you're saying is no, it is it is definitely technology that they are buying from the marketplace. The issue yeah. is how they're integrating it. So most yeah, but they're integrating it and using it. They're not bringing it to market. So what you're saying is when they implement internally for the sales team and, and others, uh, they're seeing a, a quantified impact, a positive impact is what you're saying. I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, so what I'm saying is thing number one that they do is they define an integrated process and they, re- they eliminate friction across organizational silos. They go in and they buy the technology parts, but they integrate those technology parts to refund, to work towards that business process that they defined. Gotcha. And then they roll out that integrated thing to, uh, to that target, whether it be a sales channel or whatever. I mean, I, I got to be careful how much I share, whether it be a sales channel, whether it be a partner, you know, a, a partner class or whatever. And every single time that they've done any release, they've gained market share. Well, that's cool. Mm-hmm. You know, if I were to be dropped on the planet from, a, you know, if I was an alien dropped on the planet and trying to learn the language enablement, you know, that would make sense to me. Um, but the reason why I felt like I had to clarify it was after, you know, 10 to 15 years of working in the space. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's just not that many people doing what you just said, but that, that's to me enablement. And it is to them also. And what's interesting about this community is they, they find it very difficult to find stories of how people are applying, how, how people are integrating a variety of different strategies together to solve business problems rather than just doing stuff. Mm. So that's, that's really the, the conversation. And what's, what's also interesting is one of my requirements, I have, um, I had two requirements. Uh, one requirement was I wanted to make sure that there was diversity of industry. So we wouldn't allow, I had quotas for how many different industry members could get in. So, you know, you, it wouldn't be tech industry heavy or. Why was that important? Well, it was, what was important was um, it, what was important for me is as I've been, as I was working, you know, as we know at Forrester, we started out tech industry, but then, then we law, then we dropped the tech industry uh, part and I started learning a lot from manufacturing, from financial services, from pharmaceuticals. They all, every industry has their one thing that they do really well. So for example, at, uh, at, the, at manufacturing, working with an office furniture company, these guys are just really comfortable with the concept of value stream mapping, which is let's follow the money, let's work backwards and eliminate it. So the idea of having the conversation of let's match the audience message messenger, let's look at value communications as a manufacturing process, was super easy. When I've tried to bring that idea into technology companies, the resistance is met was massive. They, they don't even let me finish sentences because it, they, they think it's too complicated. So uh, it, it's, it, it's an example of each industry has their own strengths 
And the media industry, by the way, is way more advanced in terms of digital transformation than any other industry. Yeah. It's not even close. Right. Uh, because they've been going through it since 1999. Yeah. So, and then I got software companies are, are really good at, you know, maybe, um, you know, uh, making some, an idea concrete and, and being able to show you how that works. Yes. And they tend to be better at um, analytics or metrics. Um, yeah. Then the math or the healthcare companies tend to be really good at process, like um, a, a checklist and process makes sense. A different kind of process. Mm-hmm. Uh, the distri- distribution companies tend to be really, really embracing of technology, whereas other industry, technology for sales enablement, whereas others are tend to be more resistant to makes it. Makes sense. So if you're going to build a, a superhuman, uh, cobble cobble together a super function with different biases already and hard hardwired to view the world, it makes sense to have cross industry view. That makes That's sense. right. So uh, obviously you have a huge learning curve uh, with language of getting, oh, and the financial services guys are fantastic because, you know, when we talk about build a portfolio of uh, revenue streams instead of, you know, as a new way of segmenting, they instantly get it and they, they can't understand why people don't build <laughs> charters or build a, financial business case for them. They can't right. comprehend it. <laughs> um, and they also don't see how it's hard. But, you know, they're financial services. They don't realize how close to this stuff they yeah, are. Yeah, tell them to go build software. Go build some software and you'll see how hard this financial stuff is. <laughs> exactly. Right, yeah. right, right. Exactly. So so yeah. uh, the, the, the things that the first two meetings that we, uh, that we had, most of it were learning. So I think the, the I think the challenge here is to set the what this meeting was was about. What we learned was um, innovation is hard. Let's start there, and not no one really has clarity about what what sales enabling is. By the way, our membership has agreed that we're not going to try to define it. Uh, we don't really care what the what the definition is. Our council cares what does the department look like and what is its business results? So the, the debate about uh, what it is or isn't not really of interest to our members. Uh, the members want to say, let's define out a framework on how we're going to be a, be a shared service uh, group that adds value inside our, inside their corporations. So that's, uh, that's, that's a, that's a focus. Makes, Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Focus so, on the results and the impact. Yeah. Yep. And what, you know, what's, what's the scope and, you know, reporting structures and capabilities that need to be built out operating models. These are the kinds of conversations. So what's, what was interesting was you were innovating across the board, you know, innovating, like how do you define and set the scope of this role? And some of our members, the role works within marketing some of it reports to the COO. Um, they're just all over the place. So figuring and out- fine. And that's fine too. You don't need to have an answer of where should this report into, which I know you and I have spent and probably tried, tried to not answer yeah. for, for years. Seems like that's off the table too. It doesn't matter, it, whatever the scope and remit is, report it into the best place to be successful. Well, so not a single person cares where they report to, not one. What they care about is whether or not they have the resources and they care about what their relationships are with other departments. Yep. 
right? I so see that. yeah, that's that's going to make or break them. And and in the resource view, automatically you're implying, I imagine, you know, the executive buy-in, the the proverbial, you know. Uh, well, it's it's, it's funding, funding yeah. account. Right? Yeah, that's but you got to you got to have the executive buy-in to have the the remit. So I know a lot of a lot of times we spend time talking about you know uh, chartering and having top-down approval, et cetera. Well, if you can get the resource, that's what we mean. Yes. So let's let's hold the note on chartering because we can talk about that in terms of the meeting. Uh, so so that's that's what the council is. That's what it does. That's what the remit is. Um, we'll talk about you know some of the representative companies that are in here. But one thing that I think is really interesting is what we found is so some pockets. So our last meeting was it was a pivotal one. It was at Tiffany's. Um, so yes, I got to have breakfast at Tiffany's nice. <laughs> in, in our, in our meeting, we had, um, I think we had a contingent of about 25% of the members came to me and said, we want to interrupt you real quick. I'm sorry. So one of the things that I've seen people do is say, ah, oh, Tiffany's doesn't apply to me. And if you're, if you just said that, if you just said that, I would ask you to, um, check your bias because, um, that, that, I think that's important. I think. You know, and I, I saw this live at that recent event I was at and people discount if it, you know, as is irrelevant. And that's, you know, I would just ask that we, we pause on that. So if you just did that when he said Tiffany's or you're hung up on that, um, you know, I encourage you to move beyond that. Uh, it's not, not applicable to your business. And let's, let's dive into what the, what the discussion was and what the results were, not where it happened. Just a little sidebar. Sorry about well, that. Yeah. So if that's if that's your concern, um, I would remind you that they sell multi-million dollar pieces of jewelry to um, the uber wealthy. If you don't think you can learn stuff about selling from that, then I don't know what I don't know what you're thinking. Uh, the environment that they create for buying, the way that they do product introductions. Um, the way that they work, the way that they retail, the way that they brand, how subculture everything is, how well they concentrate on um, or how much attention that they, they, they put on the attitudes and emotions of, uh, of people. The, the experience. Yeah, oh, my God. It's, it's all about the experience. It's, yeah. it's unbelievable how much attention to detail that they put on. Yeah. Everybody was completely blown away by their operation. It is top notch <laughs> and uh, the things that they're struggling with are different, but in this, but going back to this meeting at Tiffany's. So yes, I did have breakfast at Tiffany's. I want to st stress that again. <laughs> yeah. You just, you just you're, that's why, that's why you wanted to do this debrief live. You just wanted to say that live twice. So. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> um, it, it, we had uh, 20, about 25% of our members. So each individual member, will say some things publicly, but of course say things different to me, right? As, as the program director, I guess uh, either they don't feel comfortable bringing the issue up or they're trying to influence everybody else, but enough of them got together and said, we wanna have a technology roadmap discussion. So, okay, uh, we'll put that on the agenda. And, and they said, well, you don't sound too enthusiastic. I just think you're gonna get, uh, I think you're gonna get some pushback from other members. No, 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 no. It's like, okay. And we put it out there and facilitated it. And about three quarters of the other members just rejected it flat out. Why the hell are we talking about technology? How come we're not talking about business process? Another group is like, yeah, how come we're not talking about business drivers? 
it was really difficult. Uh, it took all my facilitation skills to navigate that because I said, okay, well, let's start with process then. And guess what? Three, three quarters said, no, you can't start with process because the technology people said you got to start with tech. The um, metric people said you got to start with metric. You know, the, the culture people said you got to call it. Okay, well, let's start with culture. Three quarters said no. I said, guys, how are we going to get anywhere? We're, we're, we have pockets of different groups. We've got to agree on something. So what can we agree on? That's going to be our assignment right now because we cannot move forward if we're this dis, dysfunctional, not, not dysfunctional. Um, At an impasse, basically. There's right. No, no real consensus to work around. We, for- we don't have any plurality to move forward. Yeah. So what are we going to do? And what, what I did is I drew up, I took um, a variety of different frameworks that I saw ranging from, um, you know, books that people have or past frameworks that, um, you know, we've worked on at Forrester or things that, you know, the, the technology vendor neutral technology stack, some stuff from, you know, Sears Decisions, Gartner. I put it, all those things on the wall and I also put on the business within a business construct and um no so one that, had, that one's going to be a whole separate podcast and uh but you might want to give a, a 15 second what do you mean by business within a business yeah oh. so ba- basically what that was was um this is a framework on how to think about your role that you have investors you have a, a core team you have suppliers you have uh customers and then you have a, a support infrastructure that's your technology your legal all those other things. And um, you are responsible for uh, converting all of those things into value for those uh, value for your targeted customers so that you produce the results that the investors want and figuring out who the investors are. Those are the people who are funding your group can be difficult. Figuring out who your suppliers are can be difficult. Figuring out who your customers are can be really difficult. Like, is it the end sales people or is it the sales managers? Is it sales leadership? And then what is the metric, the unit of value that you're delivering to them? Not easy questions, right? When you, when you have right. kind of companies. So that, uh, what, what was great was the members agreed that um, unanimously that that was going to be the framework moving forward. And all of the companies committed themselves to organizing their departments in that framework. Well, that's great. Yes. And I can, I can tell you, from my experience that that works um is it easy no um and you have a saying you know if anybody's seen scott's linkedin you know uh, sales is simple and simple is hard and then i i i I sometimes comment you know hard is doable uh that framework or that construct of a business within a business totally works but it's freaking hard and as any business is i don't know if uh entrepreneurs out there that have started their own business but it's out equated to that and in the the risks in the in the scale here of, of these companies which you haven't really told us about but these you know tiffany's and, and and i know some of the others these are big companies so there's there's a lot at stake and that's that that i just want to kind of draw that out and say if they unanimously agreed to that and and i i i know it works personally um that's a that's great and yeah, that, that was a, that was a great win and that meeting was in february and so the other thing that we realized when we reflected towards the end of the meeting said, huh, how do we get there? Because that wasn't even on the agenda to, to talk like that. 
And what we realized was, uh, you know, I said, part of my facilitation is always about what works. Let's concentrate on what works. Let's not concentrate on what doesn't work. And what we learned was the only times that we came to agreement was when all of the members were engaged in an experience because there's just too many different um, English to English translation chart problems about the same topic. Like you just take the word sales and everybody's going to have a completely different view of that. Or value. Right. You know, discuss value. or experience. Discuss. What is sales enablement even, right? So yeah. we, 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 we can't get anywhere that way. And then the second variable was since all of this is new, every, every human being has a go-to way of how they want to process information right first so some people want to see an analogy first and that helps them think about how to start that journey of understanding some people want to see data some people want to see a report like a briefing some people want to see a definition yeah some people want right exactly some people want to see metrics some people want it but we can't build all of those things just to get agreement to talking about it so what we've what we realize is the only way that we move forward is through experiences and that, that then said, okay. Well, so on that though, just to clarify, I know, I think I know what you mean. It's, it's a shared experience to produce something or do something together creates the, the uh, understanding. That's like right. Doing it together. That's right. So not an experience of, Hey, let's go get coffee. Hey, we had an experience and listen to that live band. That was quite the experience. We're talking about solving a problem together, uh, tackling, debating, wrestling it out, hashing it out producing some sort of output together. That, that's right. That's right. And, and specifically not having all the answers. Yeah. And, and whatever happens, whatever gets produced, we're cool with. Right. So, so yeah. for example, yeah. one, of the, one of the exercises that we did that was really illuminating is I had everybody go around the room and say, um, pitch your department to us. And then after everybody did it, I said, because we were in New York City, I were a reporter, because look at the brands that are around this room. If I were a reporter and when I, I were to go over to CNBC and get interviewed on two minutes and say, this group of people agreed on what sales enabling is, and it was bought. If I gave you guys, if I gave a summary of what I heard, what, what you guys all said, how would that come across? And it would have sounded awful. So then we broke, 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 broke people into teams and I gave them a little bit of a the business within a business framework. It just said, okay, um, what do you do? What services do you offer and who do you offer them to? That's it. Simple. And they had 10 minutes to do it and we videoed outputs and they were way better. And that, uh, that shared experience of wrestling through it, not having enough time, um, filling through things, all the, all those activities is what got everybody to shared experience. Yeah, just had to do it, not analyze it, not, you know, what do you mean? And where's our scrum master? And let's have a proper kickoff, <laughs> things like that. Um, and I say that kind of tongue in cheek, right? But just go, engage and do it. Yeah, makes sense. So what, what happened then was we realized that these were generic exercises and we said, what if we had our next meeting where we took the real live issues of one of our members and just did it. Uh, so uh, Intercontinental Hotel Group offered to say, this is what we're gonna do. So what we did in, Atl in Atlanta is uh, basically we had uh, two bookends of the meeting. We were presented with um, Intercontinental Hotel Group's problems 
and then um, we were to present out our findings to a team of three executives. So whoever whoever volunteered to do that, I, I want to buy him a drink. I do too. It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> yes. So, um, hey, come to this meeting and we're going to tackle an issue. So one, you got to admit you have an issue, mm-hmm. you know, 12 step program or whatever. Right. And then, and then two, um, you know, you got to basically, cause there's only a third meeting. So there's some sort of, uh, some sort of synergy happening there to be able to say, okay, I, I trust these people. We don't have to have all the answers here, but I trust them to work it. And then th- three, uh, not only that, you know, I'm not just going to pat myself on the back and go home. I'm going to bring my executives in. Right. You know, that's some, wow. A lot of risk. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think we, I think we did an amazing job of establishing a culture and we can talk about that later. Uh, you know, how you go about doing it. We have principles that I've, that we follow really diligently and about, uh, other than that, it's, it's, it's pretty lightweight, but the, the principles, are, are those the same ones from the Sales and Ailment Society or Driven? No, above? they're adopted. Adopted, um, yeah. Okay. But still, when you follow those principles, things work. Um, yeah. Uh, and okay. when you enforce them, things work. Yeah, I agree with that too. So now, you know, uh, this has taken a while, but I think this has been worth the trip. And, you know, here we are now in Atlanta. And, you know, what happened? Okay. So those are the bookends. And I'll, I'll, I'll summarize it this way. So our meeting. Uh, I, I put together a lot of effort to, to structure out this meeting. I made a video, pre-reads, all this other stuff. Because we had 20, 20 people there. We had members from Eaton, Waste Management, McGuire Financial Services, Ernst & Young, Cintas, Ecolabs, Microsoft, NTT, FM Global, Solvay, Cardinal Health, uh, Eastman, Shaw, Industrials. I mean, a lot, it's just such a broad mix. Was Tiffany's there? I just want to make sure. No, Tiffany's was not there. Oh, all right. I was going to let you work in another one, like dinner at Tiffany's, but. <laughs> well, that wouldn't be at, right? This is in Atlanta this time. This is so, at IHG. So, so they, these were, uh, these were all of the, all, all the variables. And um, so uh, Brian, who is our, our sponsor, he first shared, and this is a great innovation. He went all in on the business within a business construct. And when we were talking and preparing for the, for the meeting, he's like, I want to share my charter. I said, well, let's innovate a little bit. Why don't we call your charter your letter to, uh, letter to shareholders? Nice. So we, we changed it around. We pulled up um, uh, some annual reports and things like that. He actually talked to his, in, his uh, investor relations folks, you know, to get some ideas on how Great to present idea. it. He gave this readout and it was so amazing. I Did he have I, a big pen to sign it with? <laughs> no, it just had, they, they just had this, uh, it, it, he just didn't call it a charter, call it the letter of share. It's, it's, it, it, That's read, awesome. it looked like, uh, like a CEO's letter to shareholders. Great. Great and idea. The graphics for it and it looked unbelievable and everybody was blown away and now everybody's going to adopt that. Uh, all of our members are going to adopt that and we have somebody who's uh, responsible for breaking it down, making a template for it, you know, and then uh, we're gonna, he's gonna interview Brian and I, how we, how, we, how we got there and all that stuff. So that was a monumental accomplishment. And of course the financial services guys made some comments about, uh, you know, some metrics that needed to be in it. Uh, 
<laughs> but but overall, I mean, that it was just it was amazing. So yeah. given that given that uh, cl that clarity, it was really concrete. He also had his team come in and present um, what their value add is and how it contributed to the overall part, and that was really good too. So his so his his enablement team and and so their value right. Add. So his enablement team, his scope includes yeah. sales operations. Include it includes um, it's just giant. They're giant. He's got over five hundred people in his enablement org. Yeah. So this is pretty cool because you know uh, I've 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 been in the recipient of tell me your value add, and then I've also asked my team to tell me their value add, and that's you know one it's not easy, and two uh, can be a little bit daunting and. And so for him to pull that off as well and have his team do that yep. sort of clarity. Yeah. That's, that's great. Great. Yep. So that was great. Um, and then uh, what we ended up talking about, so we had, um, we had three main top four main topics that we were going to cover. Uh, we were going to cover the B2B value, what B2B value propositions are. And what's interesting is I made surveys for all of our members beforehand and going into it, people were like, eh, we know how to do B2B value propositions. Guess what? No one does. <laughs> I mean, nobody knows because you don't know what to, what to start from. Do you start from the product or in this case, um, in the case IHG, do you start from your property or do you make yeah. it out like who's, who's the actual buyer? Is it the consumer who spends, who, whose mm -hmm. head is on the pillow? Or is it the procurement group or the procurement group that decides to put them on the rate card? Who, who's actually the customer and what is the thing that you're selling? Yeah. And we arrived at it's the experience and no one could define what the experience was. Yeah. Cause you said, okay, we have four things on the agenda and you say B2B value prop. And I'm like, and the first thing I kid you not that went into my head was, uh, well, that, that'll take six months and, <laughs> and maybe not even produce anything. Cause I've been there and you guys are going to tackle that. It's one of four in a meeting. How the hell did you do that? Yeah, well, we, we, we just got, got them to read out some feedback, read out some feedback, read out some feedback. And okay. saying, look, we have to present findings to the executives. We don't have time for debate. We just don't have time for pontificate. Oh, because they're coming in later. Yes. Yeah, makes they're sense. coming in. We had our meeting started at 2 o'clock on Thursday or on Monday, and then the executives were coming in at 1.30 p.m. on Tuesday. Yeah. We don't have time. Yeah, right. don't have time. Let's net it out. Move it forward. Should have done the pre-work pre or whatever. Yeah, if yeah. you didn't do the pre-work, you know, you, you were screwed. But luckily, everybody did the pre-work. Yeah, okay, everybody gotcha. Won. They were prepared. They're executives, right? They're executives. That's how executives show up. So they, were, they did all the pre-work. And uh, even then, it was hard because no one, has a, no one has a spec. No one has a definition for it. So the next thing that we talked about was the loyalty program. So how... What can, how can IHG work on a loyalty program to inform the value propositions and drive more B2B sales? It's very difficult when um, most of the, the overwhelming majority of the people in the company have a B2C lens. Mm. They don't see yeah. the world through, through B2B and it's difficult to explain what B2B sales actually is. Because it's, uh, it's tough because it's a mix of B2C and B2B, right? So what what right. is this thing? And then the third, the third topic that we covered was um, uh, we had loyalty, we had uh, value props, and we had um, analytics. And um, uh, so we sorted out like what kind of analytics were involved, et cetera. One interesting thing 
there was a discussion about how IHG needed to look at data scientists. And um, one of the financial services guys actually said, eh, I don't really think that's a good, good use of time. And of course, when one of the financial services guys talks about analytics, people really listen and they were shocked by that. And he gave a story about how they did all this analysis and they did all this analytics stuff on a, on a market opportunity that they were so sure was going to win. Um, and they were, they started out like in 24th place in, in this uh, market segment that they were, they were going after. And with all the calculation, all the data, all the analysis that they did, they predicted by the end of the year, they'd be third. And that would be a huge uh, upside because going from 20th to third, look at our, our market capture, and that would be fantastic for their investors. It would be a fast, fantastic win for the executives. What happened? They got to 18th. What they realized that they didn't do any job with was the buying, the understanding the behavior, understanding the behavior of buyers and understanding the behavior of agents. And as cool as it sounded at the end of the day, if people didn't change their behaviors, it, nothing was going to happen. And, and by behaviors, he's referring more to the behaviors. So I know we have some training people here. He doesn't mean the behaviors that you would see in terms of, um, you know, training. He's talking about behaviors more like an economist would talk about behaviors. And it's really fascinating because some people who in our membership brought up the, the, the training perspective. He's like, no, I don't mean that at all. I mean these kinds of behaviors. So he articulated um, the when an economist looks at an economy, they look at two things, right? The um, motivation, you know, the, the psychological motivation for somebody and then the, uh, you know, the self-interest, the, the practical part. And both parts go into that coin. And what they said is, we've realized that we've over-rotated to um, the non-emotive side and we haven't really concentrated enough on the emotive side. So that was a big, 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 big aha moment for everybody. <laughs> yeah. So then we said, so we, we, we got into this point at the end of day one where no one was feeling good, which by the way is exactly the best thing to do is no one feeling good and confident on, on day one because your, your brain works for you when, when you're asleep. And then, as you know, like how I like to facilitate these things is I ask people to share what their shower moments are. Uh, you know, the, the things that are in their gut that just come out and I ask them not to worry, you know, paint a picture if you need to, just say what's, what's, in, your, what's in your heart. And we assembled all of these things and they became our Lego kit to assemble the solution for, uh, for, for the executives and things just started coming together. We learned um, like the VP of sales and marketing from Solvay, it's a chemical company was there and he's got a very engineered background. So we learned his perspective and uh, then we took away a, a Microsoft approach to moving, moving the ball forward without a clear North star, um, you know, attack the mountain. Uh, we've got a really amazing view of a, of how to manage a, a portfolio of activities from E and Y that isn't about tasks. It's about uh, objectives. So e and Y is moving a lot of their engagement models to be more design thinking oriented than classic management consulting. So they're learning at an accelerated rate. We learn from waste management this uh, really cool um, structure that they put together to to link uh, everything that they do to the vision of the company. And they have the CEO sign off on it. 
Uh, it was the CEO's idea. And they just make sure that everything is reinforcing that one cultural goal. Uh, so we put all those pieces together and we gave this amazing readout that uh, I don't think I have permission really to share too much because of um, how radically and innovative, but yet simple to execute it was for, um, for solving their problems. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, for this podcast, we've probably capped out our listeners anyway. Um, yeah. You know, this is a lot to digest. We're covering a lot of ground and, and maybe one day we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about what, what the answer kind of the outcome was. It wasn't probably the answer because it's just the beginning, but the outcome itself. But, but if you had to give it a, a, a 30 seconds, you know, tell us what happened with the executives and, you know, what was the outcome, the final result of said meeting? Well, uh, I, I think the, the first part was, since I did the readout, I asked them, I don't really know how you should take this feedback. I don't know if, of, have, have, has any of you ever heard of where you could get, um, you, you, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but all, every single one of these companies are potential buyers or potential customers for um, IHG, every single one. And one of our, uh, the VP of sales and marketing, the, the guy from Solvay did some math. He said, you know what, what's represented here? $500 million of, $500 billion of total revenue, 500,000 employees or potential uh, travelers and $5 billion of T&E spending. Holy cow. So given the size of, of opportunity, he said, there's your number right there. Just figure out how to set us. And you know, every salesperson listening is going to go and tell their, their executive to go to the sport <laughs> so they can go to that meeting. That's yeah, so, and well, what was interesting, though, is they, it, it took them a while to digest that because when you're in a, in a B2C mindset, you think about markets, yeah. not how influential just a few people can be and how it sets up in huge buying networks. Uh, yeah. Which was another word that we talked about. Uh, an agreement or a buying network is different than personas and journeys. Like we, we tried to use personas and journeys and it just, you know, it didn't work. Those, those assets didn't work and help us solve our problems. As a matter of fact, they made things more obfuscated. And uh, I, would, I would venture to say that uh, it's because of the business to business framework, which we need to do a deeper dive on. But, you know, um, there's a relationship there uh, because we've established in uh, that that uh, the business to business framework works and when you say things like it doesn't work it's because it doesn't have a logical home if you will and that framework is what i'm inferring. well it, this is different it's a it, it's um the level of precision of what you have to message to is beyond the scope of just a persona and um, it's interesting that when you generalize so that marketers or people in corporate can understand, what it does is it makes things fuzzy for the sellers to execute. Yeah. When you try to bring in too much detail for, the, for, the, for what the sellers need to execute, then it becomes too complicated for the people in corporate. So wrestling through the, the lens of reality of where, where the money actually really is versus where it is conceptually it was a big, that was a big struggle. Uh, the other, uh, but, I, but I think the, so I think the difficulty of providing this feedback is, I, I'm saying to the executives, first and foremost, I have no idea how to give a readout like this. 
I don't want you to expect a Bain or McKinsey type thing because, you know, number one, you're not paying us that amount of money. Um, number two, I got no skin on the game, right? You know, for that, we're just giving you this kind of readout. And number three, um, you actually were a, your Brian was able to persuade your buyers to get so in, in engrossed in your own business problem that they came up with solutions themselves. And I'd like to share them with you, but I'm going to caution you. They might be really hard to understand because they're from a completely different perspective. And just the way that I set it up, they were like, wow. So they were so floored by the innovation of just what the readout was, they were excited. Then they struggled to try to comprehend what the feedback was because all of their data is very much just about their own little silo. And then you get into questions like, how in the world are we going to do that? Because we're not organized to take advantage of that. And they got a little nervous. They said, look, there's a way to solve this. We just need to get creative. That's all. It just We don't need to say any one person needs to own it. We arrived at this answer together. If we can do this output, you can do this, right? Was more, and that was comforting for the each of the other executives. Like, yeah, you're right. We could do this. So having them being able to pitch the other side of it and how valuable this sort of um, facilitated um, work backwards from what's possible kind of uh, kind of scenario. How empowering it really is. So the excitement level of the, of the innovation was there in terms of a, a deliverable way to deliver insight. The findings were exciting and scary at the same time. Exciting because, wow, we have a huge opportunity to really move, move the needle. And then the next part was um, that, that, that created a lot of opportunity for, for Brian's team to offer a whole new class of service uh, to the company. So it it's gonna help, uh, hopefully it's gonna help him uh, elevate his function even further. Yeah, and that's a good point. So, and I know we're over time, but I, I, wanna, I wanted this to play out. And, uh, but you know, you mentioned he has a 500 person org and uh, you know, I think a lot of uh, times when you hear numbers like that or you talk about people like that, you say, okay, well, this, this, this is it. This is the pinnacle or whatever. And, you know, I think there's a, um, a bit of a bias, and, and I was talking to one of my colleagues about this, is, well, you know, in, in the L&D space, for example, it's all about, you know, how many people report to you, and, you know, the goal is to have more people reporting to you, and over time, the more people that report to you, you know, and eventually you reach the top where you've, you've reached your scope of everybody reporting to you, and now you're done, and you've had a great career, you know, and... That's, that's not what we're talking about here at all, right? We're talking about business impact and, and uh, you know, innovation and customer experience and transformation and meeting, you know, I'm inferring, you know, the, the customer evolution. It's things like that, right? And, and I think the metaphor to think about, the metaphor would think about it would be, um, there was a, within IHG, there was a fragmented market of many independent groups providing sales enablement services. And what Brian did is he's in an acquisition process of acquiring those functions so that they can stitch together and deliver more value to the company. I, I think that would be a better way to think of it. And yeah. when you start, uh, you know, start acquiring, you can offer more and more services. You have, you know, one throat, one, you know, one throat to choke, so to speak. You, uh, as long as you're, 
um, designing it to where you're delivering value where it is, uh, it becomes a, a strong, um, valuable thing and no one looks at it territorially. I mean, no one, because uh, he's inclusive yeah. uh, and the like is just, it doesn't make sense to have, you know, seven different training departments, for example, doesn't make sense. So consolidate it in, into one, get rid of, uh, get rid of the redundancies, which is wasted money anyway, Re repurpose those resources in the areas of weakness. Why do you have six different or four different analytic groups? That's not smart. Combine them. Uh, so the constant focus on this, um, look, we need to acquire these different parts because we can't get economies of scale if we have a variety of different little piece parts or fiefdoms everywhere. Yeah. Build U.S. steel. Yeah, I like that because it's top down and it's outside in. And my, my story I gave purposefully was, you know, bottom up and how these, these perspectives, I, I think, kind of dominate the sales enablement discussion, but the conversation that you guys are having in a conference room, top down, outside in, uh, is, is the business conversation that was unlocked through a business within a business construct to the point where executives want to innovate. Yes. And I think everybody in the role wants to be there. Um, but, and I would say, you know, challenge our listeners, what are you guys talking about? You know, and I, I went on a, a little bit of a soapbox earlier in this podcast, but I'll go on another one. At the, at the risk is, you know, hey, it's, you know, 10 o'clock at night and I can. <laughs> so, uh, and then, then we'll wrap up. But like, uh, you know, sales is simple, simple is hard and hard is doable. And, you know, uh, what, what Scott's outlining here, yeah, it takes brain power. Uh, I know uh, one of the reasons why you didn't want to debrief right after Scott is because your brain was mush and you you'd burned up all your your brain cells doing something like this. This stuff's not easy. And so the idea of it's intellectual, you have to think about it, you have to be detailed. You know, th this does not equate to act quote unquote academic. This is, no. this is listen to the numbers folks. And um, yeah. Okay. You know, this is uh, the, the business side of enablement and you know, you can't just wave your magic wand and, and get there. One, you got to do the work. Two, you can't just, you know, at the risk of, of uh, turning off some listeners, you can't whine yourself there and whine and complain about it to get there either. You know, like, uh, oh, I should have this and that fiefdom needs to be mine. And those people should be doing this. And those people should be doing that. That analytics group should be doing this. And, you know, I call it shooting on people. Don't shoot on people. And yeah. I, have a, I have a saying, don't shoot on others. And I, yeah, it's tongue in cheek. And, you know, it's a policy. And I don't, there's a no shooting rule. And so we can't shoot ourselves to the top, so to speak. And I know that's a little bit of a rant, but. Well, that's fantastic. Rants are always great. That's what this podcast is for. I think that um, what's really fascinating is in the Charles Dickens and Living the Transformation Province of Sales and Awa, we walk through my journey. And if you take away the colorful stories and all that other stuff and concentrate on uh, what the process was, it's pretty much the identical process that Brian's following or the identical process that some of the, uh, all the other leaders are following. Do the work first to figure out what the, uh, and baseline your, your performance. Identify what the opportunities are. Do the work though to build the spec of what the problem is and shop it. And take the time to shop it. I mean, it, it's, it, it's, it sounds like you're not making progress and not doing things, but that three months of time 
is the most invaluable time you can spend. Yeah. What you do is you frame the problem. You frame the issue. You show the interrelationships of things. You help people realize it, it's complicated. And because it's complicated, they give you the resource. Yeah. Because and then, you know, what are you going to do? Complicated out. Yeah. And you know what? It is complicated. It is complex. And what are you going to build? What's, your, you know, to some people, you know, what's your legacy going to be? What's your impact? What do you want to do? Do you want to make the donuts and leave? Or do you want to, you know, transform? And, you know, can't, can't just uh, say you want to do it. You have to do the work. So if you're going to transform. So I think that's a great way to end it, Scott. Um, and, and we've got other topics we're adding to the list. And, and you mentioned that that uh, person who might want to come on the show. My gut's telling me that some of these things that she might want to talk about on the, the podcast are, are related to this. And, and uh, you know, driving out, being a leader, elevating, you know, all the things that we've been talking about through this podcast. And I think this is a great uh, example here of uh, what what's possible. You know, I think when you look at um, what, what can we aspire to, to some people, this, this could be really exciting. To other people, it could be like, I'm, I'm not doing that. But at least you now know that this is possible, it's doable, and these conversations are happening. And that's why we're inside sales enablement. So I appreciate that, Scott. And uh, learned a lot. And, and I'm glad we held off on the debrief until, until now. And uh, for all you listeners, you know, if I pissed you off on the rant, sorry about that. <laughs> You're allowed to. This is your podcast, buddy. <laughs> so, all right. We'll see you guys on the next one. And as always, send us a note. Send us uh, a LinkedIn. Uh, hit us up on InsideSE.com. Make sure you also uh, grab the uh, the download there. That'll add you to a list, and we'll, we'll send you a note when we update. And uh, appreciate all the time. We'll see you on the next one, everybody. Thanks for joining us. To become an insider and amplify your journey, make sure you've subscribed to our show. If you have an idea for what Scott and Brian can cover in a future podcast or have a story to share, please email them at engage at insidese.com. You can also connect with them online by going to insidese.com, following them on Twitter, or sending them a LinkedIn request.